I'm going to um, put a, a a statement out there to get us canceled. Uh, Heimer's cooler than Yoda. All right. Oh no! So don't, moving on. So don't one go thing. for the Star Wars fans. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Welcome to Candles of Runeterra, episode two of our Arcane special. We told you we were coming with the other one. You just didn't think it was going to be this fast, huh? Uh, it, what? We are working this fast? We're up to date? Never. <laughs> Never. No, we're, we're too excited, and we've been saying it, so here's the proof. Exactly. And that's your host, Hetch, and I'm your other host, Ryan. Um, we always do housekeeping first, and that hasn't changed. You can listen to us everywhere. Visit us at podcastcourt.com for all of our info, and then follow us on any platform you prefer. And then send an email to us at podcastcore at gmail.com, especially after this first act of Arcane. It's been saying, um, leave a like, follow, and a short review slash comment, and tell a friend to protect the family by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast, episode two. Let's just yep. get into it. Yep. If you don't tell a friend to listen to us, we will strike at their family. <laughs> wait, that's not what we meant. No, wait. <laughs> We're holding everyone hostage now. Protect the family. <laughs> Protect the family. Dom Toretto, where are you when we need you most? <laughs> All right. So episode two of Arcane, uh, which like... As far as if you haven't listened to our episode one for Arcane yet, give that a listen because we ended it as far as both of us just kind of saying that that's exactly what you want in episode one. Yep. And then we hurried up that ending because we couldn't wait to get to episode two. Exactly. And that's a good thing. Uh, and with this one, it starts off just right at the be kind of, well, not at the beginning of episode one, but near the very beginning of episode one, except it's the other side yep. of the door. For where Vi and Powder are doing their heist. And on the other side of that door is a young man named Jace, followed by a very young Caitlin. And yeah. it's we're just picking up right there. And it's like, oh, what happens to them? <laughs> it's it's funny, you know, just to, to take a step back, it's funny you mentioned how it picks up right at that point, because what I've noticed, and yes, it's only been two episodes, right? Bear with me. The techniques they're using, like basic directing, filmmaking techniques to convey the story is very safe. Although they're doing it well, a lot of this stuff of how they're handling the story, because it's a lot of characters. And this is something that you see a lot of missteps taken in certain, you know, DC, we're looking at you. But when <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some lore for us to immediately, mostly fans are watching this, we know what to expect, but they're doing a good job of keeping the pacing um, smooth and also not letting us get lost. So when yeah. this picks up, we're like, yeah, the other side of the door, we know all the other stuff, now we're filling in here, and they're giving us the fan faves already. So yeah. Jason, Caitlin, young um, friends, which that's 
Okay. Um, cool. I mean, if this this kind of goes more into like Jace's lore, which yeah. we haven't talked to him too much about on the show. Spoilers coming um, soon. Coming soon. Spoilers coming soon. <laughs> but what we already know just from uh, just from the last uh, in the first episode, as mm -hmm. far as with Grayson doing her investigation in the lanes, yep. uh, is that the the place that blew up was a Kiramon lab. Mm -hmm. The Kiramons are a respected family in Piltover, and their only child of the current Kiramons is Caitlin Kiramon, uh, which we did cover in Caitlin's lore. And they do early on, they take on like, uh, uh, I, I guess like pages or apprentices would mm -hmm. be like the right word. Uh, but like they take young academics under their wing kind of more like scholarships uh, like you know we're not really taking care of you but we're financially backing you so that you can go uh to school you can study and then when you start making money you pay us back a little bit um and that 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 is a little bit of jace's backstory in a nutshell so caitlin and jace being together is not too surprising um as but this is caitlin and Jace very young. So this is when Jace is still in school, um, which we know from Victor's lore, which we did an episode on. You can check that one out. Uh, but, you know, a brief spoiler for that is that Jace and Victor meet at school. Yep. So this is a Jace in school, which means Caitlin is too young to go to school. Like, Caitlin's younger. <laughs> like she, So she she's just following him around with deer lost in headlights look just like oh my god jace and we actually get an age here uh mentioned which is jace is 24 yes um we don't get that mentioned as far as him getting blown up but uh yeah. <laughs> the, uh so they the jace and caitlin do survive the the explosion and then, of course, the enforcers are doing their investigation to try to figure out you know what in the world happened and it's like yeah no jace we know you didn't do this yeah but we're noticing you don't have the paperwork to have any of the things that caused this and especially as a college student you kind of need to be following on the right side of the law and yeah. the paperwork so he gets put away for he gets put away in the college like he's still getting the preferential treatment which is more of signs towards Caitlin's family's backing and their and their standing and it's at the college and where he gets interrogated that we get his age but we get to see another champion with his interrogation they did not waste time with his little feet dude I Raise, raise your dongers, baby. <laughs> Heimerdinger's in the house. <laughs> Heimerdinger is here, and he is glorious. Um, voice acting great, looks great. His little tiny feet as he moves across the ground is just amazing. Um, and he's a cool, like he's cool. Fucking Heimer's cool. Yeah, like, like not nerdy. I mean, obviously nerdy, but like cool nerd. Yeah, I, like he's got that. He's got the that air of someone who's very nerdy that has also just been around an around enough social circles to just accept who he is yeah. and just throw it out there. And so you deal with it. So especially for, you know, we have a podcast where we talk about fantasy lore. Um, <laughs> so of course for, for people like us, we do find that cool. I, cause I, I thought he was cool as hell. He's just, yeah. um, 
you know, just talking to Jace and being like, you know, kind of really quickly and, but gently putting him in his place of like, no, I appreciate as far as your, as far as your desire to learn more, but you shouldn't mess around with these things. And I know I've been around for like 300 years. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm going to um, put a, a, a statement out there to get us canceled. Uh, Heimer's cooler than Yoda. Right. Oh no! So don't, moving on. So don't one go thing. for the Star Wars fans. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> one thing we want to mention is we do get at the beginning here is a flashback to younger Jace, and yes. and this is going to be a note just for how we end this with our rating. This is where I took off some points. Um, I'm not a big fan. Of starting off an episode uh-huh. with a flashback. <laughs> it's well, just a pet peeve. Um, because I'm gonna, this, what do you say? I'm going to push up my imaginary glasses. <laughs> yeah. and, well, actually, we started the episode okay. with the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> because this specific flashback could have been used anywhere in this episode and still had the same effect. Um, or not at all, and could have left an air of mystery, which would have been cool. But I digress. We do get younger Jace and his mother trapped in, drum roll please, possibly the frail yard. Or somewhere where an ice storm is happening. That's why I'm saying the frail yard. We don't have many places in Runeterra that get that vicious. And yeah. in our frail yard episodes, we talk a lot about the conditions out there and how ruthless ruthless they are, especially if you're not one of the tribes people that hang out out there. Yeah. Um, they're trapped, and then they're saved by a mystical mystic, frail yard mystic, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually, like, because um, one of the notes that I have here is mm-hmm. uh, as far as who he's being saved by, I think mm-hmm. Riot is going to get sued by Hasbro and Watsy because he, <laughs> because Jace and his mom get saved by Jace by the Jace. Planeswalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so th- that's a Magic the Gathering joke for anyone who does not know that. Um, we have but, to uh, have some crossover. There's no uh, way. I, I actually... <laughs> I actually think that they were trapped on uh, Mount Targon, like on Targon Peak, because Ooh, that's like a good as far as as far as with them getting teleported out of there, um, yeah, with them getting teleported out of there, you see the mountain in the background, and it's like that could have been the mountain that they were on, and but they're in a field that is very nice and you know survivable. Uh, while still being relatively close to that mountain. True, so, true. We'll do uh, we'll do some geography yeah. checking after yeah, the episode uh, and see dives. what makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah but, I think Targon yeah, might make more sense. I, I do understand why they started with the flashback, though, because mm-hmm. Heimerdinger grills Jace uh, as far as why he had all these illegal items, and it's because Jace was trying to find the source of that magic that yeah. saved him and his mom. And a Heimerdinger is like, nah, don't mess with magic. Don't do it, bro. Which I already have a lot of beef with because a freaking Yordle is telling Jace to not worry. Like, don't we can't control magic. magic. A being of magic, basically. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an entity of magic. Like, he, he can't be there without using magic because Bandlewood is not in Runeterra. Yeah. But I digress. Um, so it's it is after this you know this grilling and heimerdinger just tells him drop the magic thing 
and you know plead your case to the council and we, maybe we can get you off with just a slap on the wrist maybe a probation but you can't talk about magic because it turns out at this point in Piltover they're closer to Demacia than anything else yes um and there we're, we're, I'm going to put a word here just leave this lingering as hedge continues fascism all right, let's move forward. <laughs> we'll come back to that. that that's going to be very important when we get to the enforcers. <laughs> um, so, so then we we get back over to our sump rats, to Vi and Powder and their fun little gang, and they're do they're doing what any good some you know hood rats will do when they're in trouble, and that's laying low. Yep. So we this is we finally get to see the block the, is hot. We get to see the full scene of that arcade. Which we got to, you know, shown in a couple of the trailers as far as like Vi doing the punching bag and uh, Jinx shooting and like that little cartoon gallery thing. Um, the only note that I have here with that was that uh, uh, Powder is clearly the AD carry because Milo's like, ha ha ha, having fun. And then Jinx is just like, headshot, 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 <laughs> kill a Manjaro. Um, so that. That is a lot of fun, but it, it was nice to actually get to see the full scene of this, of where we got all the the high score stuff with all the teasers months ago leading up yeah. to this. And and for, you know, remember, Jinx is an AD carry in the game, right? This is important to show that although up to this point we've been, or the perception of how useless she is, we're getting little tidbits of, okay, she's a good tinkerer. She's, you know, a techie. She's able to build these things. Um, but she also has good aim uh, because she not only built or built the the shooting gallery, but also has been practicing on it, obviously, on her own time. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and then we get some interference, right? Yeah. So, you know, the sump rats, we left them in episode one running from the enforcers. And then we, you know, it. The episode just kind of ends there. So they get away from the enforcers and the enforcers just give up, right? Yeah. You know, the fascism is known for not chasing hood rats. Uh, wait, no, that's not the case. So the, their little respite in this makeshift arcade of theirs is immediately interrupted by police raids happening on the streets right outside. Yeah. Um, they are in their safest spot. Vi is even saying no one checks here. And while they're saying that no one checks there, a body gets thrown through the window. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, people are going to check now. Yeah. And it's time <laughs> for some Sakuga. Oh, Sakuga. <laughs> we get an action scene. Uh, and it's a fun romp. It's like them trying to, you know, these guards or wardens trying to catch these kids in their own element, right? So they're jumping between target dummies. They're running around. We get a, another reveal of, you know, an Easter egg, which is the chomper as the guy goes to grab for powder and she closes a giant chomper mouth on his arm and he yelps and then she runs away. It's a good, it's a good fun time. They take off out of a back, uh, like a back exit. Um, which every good hideout has to have, and they run down the alley, and luckily Echo's there to help them um, up a ladder and then kick the ladder down so they can get yep. out of there. Yep, because the hood rats are going to stick together. All right, the, the sump rats are yeah. in this together, 
And uh, I loved as far as like Echo being the one to save them because it kind of we we had the idea in the first episode that they are friends. Yes. Whether or not they're always together, they're friends. And this solidified it. It's like perfect. Yeah. Good. This is, uh, you know, they're really piecing that together. It um, also solidifies and- one other point, um, which we mentioned in our Echo episode, which is that Echo is always aware of like what's going on around him. And he's always trying to save people. Like he he tries to get everyone out. That's his plan, right? Always. And that's been consistent over two episodes. Like every time we get him, he's trying to help everyone get out of the situation because he's fully aware of the situation because he's tiny and he kind of keeps his eyeballs on everything kind of thing. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because it's you're not wrong. But at this point, Thanks, we've only Hedge. got. I'm never, I'm never wrong. Come on. Of course not. And at this point, like with these two episodes, <laughs> at this point, we've only really seen Echo for about 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're, they're doing a great job of conveying that yeah. idea of like uh, Echo's going to get his friends out. Yeah. Um, but so w- thanks to Echo, the Sump Rats are able to break away, uh, get away from the Enforcers, and they are on the run for a, a little bit longer. And now we're going to switch over to meeting some of the council members of the academy of piltover yep um so as far as in uh as far as moving over to this we first get to meet uh counselor madara madarda well we get to meet counselor madarda first which one i'm declaring it now all right there is no argument you have to agree with me all right, Madarda is the hottest chick of this show. <laughs> and no, I will not be taking questions. Waifu material. Um, good personality, too, uh, for, for fascism. That's, for fascism. <laughs> let's, let's slow down. Let me slow down here. Um, they do call her Mel, I think, is her name mm-hmm. that they refer to like as like with her coworkers, which I said council members rather than coworkers. Um, but yeah, getting introduced to her is very interesting because – we get a very important piece of her in episode one where she's or sorry, in this episode um, where she's commenting about how she needs something or the council needs something to put Piltover on the map. And when she said that, I had to go back in my mind because you remember, we're always consuming this crap, this lore like all the time. So it's like, wait, where are we in the timeline? Because isn't Piltover already the city? It's like, well, no, we're not there yet. Piltover is still establishing itself as this new tech city, and we'll get to why yeah. what helps to be the catalyst. Yeah, for that. it it really is hard. Like yeah. I, I too had a lot of trouble putting myself like in this mind space of mind the, space. Mind space. <laughs> I, like I, I've been having to put myself in this headspace of that. Yeah. You know, Piltover is like a worse Demacia at this point. Yes, it's a Demacia with more smog, um, <laughs> and. That, but the things that I that I didn't notice just right away, as far as with seeing Mel, is that one, um, you know, she's clearly going to be a centerpiece as far as for this transition mm-hmm. into the Piltover. We know. Two, um, with her getting ready to oversee Jace's court case, um she's going through these gift items for one of the counselor's birthdays and it's i did really kind of hook onto that because it 
I think they were trying to use this as a piece of like uh, information to let us know that even though it's at an academy yeah. and that these are academics at heart, it's very much a political thing because yep. uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting a gift for a councilman. This is a children's toy. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, and then you, we get like a quick brief look at Caitlin and her family getting ready to go to the trial. Yeah. And her and Caitlin's mom saying, no, we're going to stand up for Jace. That's literally like five seconds straight into the into the um, courtroom for yeah. Jace's case. And we see Mel giving a guy this gift. He looks at it. He has no idea what it is. And it's like, yes, I, I had this crafted for you. Uh, I'm told that it's for only the most gifted of minds. <laughs> and he immediately just starts playing with his children's toy. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> and it's and like, and that sets a tone of like, okay, yeah, they're academics. This is supposed to be the smartest nation yeah. in all of Runeterra. Uh, and politics are the same everywhere. It's the blind leading the blind. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, on top of that, so we have a revelation that Caitlin's mom is on the council. And she's also at this point still Jace's patron, which is just, you know, a representative um, for someone of a, like a lesser house, right? And other fantasy stuff. So, but also Heimer's on the council as well, right? And of, and since Heimer's on the council, his assistant is Victor. So you automatically have this network that because like Hetch mentioned, politics are the same everywhere, everywhere, right? So you can draw a lot of lines there yourself without them having to go any deeper into any of that because you're familiar with who these characters are vaguely if you don't delve too deep into it. And now you know their positions and now you know the situation. So let's get to the trial of Jace. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing I want to add there is like with Victor being Heimerdinger's uh, assistant, they do a good job of really making Victor kind of being on the wall. Uh, and I didn't realize how good of a job it was until we're recording this. We didn't even mention that Victor was at the apartment yeah. after the explosion. And and he says that he's Heimerdinger's assistant. But like even then, Jace is like, I have no idea who you are. And when they meet up again, he still has no idea who he is. Yeah. Like They do a good job of just like Victor is just kind of like chilling. Yeah. And he's feel, feeling out the, the room. Even to uh, that point during the trial, when the crowd is kind of coming into the room before they darken the lights and everything, <laughs> you can see Victor getting pushed back into the crowd. Like he's at the front to start, but as the crowd comes in, he kind of gets pushed to the background. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. They do a really good job of making him just a fly on the wall. Like, yeah. yeah like, don't worry about him. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. him. Not yet. Uh, not yet. You're supposed to. Yeah, but don't worry about him. Oh, um, we need to <laughs> listen to our Victor episode if Yo, you bro, want to know more. Bro, watch him. Watch him. I said, watch him. <laughs> um, so now, once we get to uh, the court case, uh, Jace follows Heimerdinger's instructions. I did not know how dangerous these materials were. I should not have had them. I am yeah. sorry. Please let me stay at the school. The council immediately starts berating him for being stupid. And what we know as far as just from reading Victor's lore, and when we talked about it, uh, Jace is a very headstrong dude, but he's also a very confident dude. And a confident guy who's worried about his image is not going to stand for being called stupid. So he's like, no, my what I was studying was remarkable and about to hit a breakthrough. But you said you didn't know what you were dealing with. So you're an idiot. <laughs> nope, I was dealing with magic. And then Heimerdinger, and like, <gasps> Heimerdinger face palms, and, and 
then it's like, okay, now this is when we, this is the point that we learned because Heimerdinger just kind of said, you know, stay off the topic and stay away from it. Yeah. But now we learn it is against the law for academics to pursue magic or exactly. the control or study of magic. Yeah. Uh, and the- so now, okay, this is now a case about banishment. <laughs> yeah. Remember fascism? It's still there. We're not there yet. But where we are is that we get two reveals here. First of all, one of the council members is like a robot thing. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if he's a robot or in a robotic suit. Just I don't of know the design. either. I don't know either. And like, especially because of the timeline, he can't be following the great evolution. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I, so, I don't know what that but guy was. He does mention that magic has destroyed his race. He says this or his people. I can't remember the exact term, but it's close to, okay, who are you? What are you? And yeah. what are you talking about? So that yeah. gives us a big question mark. This is then followed by Heimer berating Jace and saying, listen, you don't understand what dealing with magic can do because magic can affect time. And I've seen things happen with time that you wouldn't believe. And we get this shot of this figure in this like time beam as like the world around him is being shifted. And who have we talked about that was involved in a similar situation? You cannot Killian. <laughs> Bazillion. If, you, if anybody watched Worlds, you know who we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Um, we're talking so, about maybe a zillion reference here, which yeah. is really cool. Uh, yeah. So one, it's maybe a zillion reference, and with Heimerdinger being as old as he is, it's just more chances to actually run into zillion. Um, two, that it plays into my theory of the robot guy that we have no idea who the hell he is. He could be an Akathian. And like, he could be one of the few that actually got out before the void ruined everything. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, magic wiped out my people and no, it didn't wipe out his people. They're just stuck. (laughs) (laughs) They've just been stuck for a really long time. Um, and I, I do want to point out what I wrote yep. down in my, no- in my notes here as far as with uh, Heimerdinger's flashback. Um, you're never too yordle to have a Vietnam flashback. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks to our own episodes. All right. <laughs> here we are, folks. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, we get, we get the... We get the reveal as far as the magics and everything. Yeah. The council is ready to banish Jace until his mom speaks up and says, no, he's just, he he's going mad in this pursuit, but I can, he's a good boy and I can take care of him. And Heimerdinger uses this, this kind of change into talking about Jace's personality mm-hmm. to be like, okay, well, let's not banish him. Let's just go back to our original verdict uh and the original verdict was to whether he could stay in the school or not we'll kick him out yeah so they they kick him out but he can stay in piltover and he can stay with his family which uh jace did not come from a well-off family but he still came from a family in piltover yes which we know from seeing the families in zon especially all these families in the lanes he's not bad he, he, he's doing all right he's doing yeah. okay um and that's where the court case ends. And that's going to take us over straight over to Silco, 
Well, not quite yet. There's one comment I want to make um, because we do get a scene here. And this is this kind of goes back to my questioning the flashback at the beginning. Right. It didn't need to be there. Not saying it, remember, it didn't ruin anything. It's still well done. But we get a shot when Jace and his mother go back to her more, you know, common dwelling, if you want to call it that. I sound like an aristocrat, right? <laughs> but she's talking to him and the camera's kind of following her and she's kind of just like rubbing dust off of things. And you notice she has two prosthetic fingers. Um, knowing they were trapped in the ice situation, possible frostbite, she now has prosthetics. When you think about Jace, you think about what's going to happen next with his research and you think about Victor and you think about prosthetics and you think about the people that need them and how we get there. These glorious. are the steps. These are the steps that are taken. For the glorious evolution. <laughs> For the glorious. All hell. <laughs> these, these, like, these little things are so yeah. much more fun when you know like all the difference, like the stories as far as you know what happens after this. Um, so it, if you want to be able to laugh with us, you know, check out some of those episodes because it, it, it makes it fun. But, but yeah, you were talking that, about Shaco? Get out of here. <laughs> I, I think I even have a Shaco note somewhere in my, like a Shaco joke somewhere in my notes too. And I blame you fully. Gosh, darn it. I almost got him. <laughs> I almost got him. Um, but yeah, so then we go quickly over to Silco. Um, and this is truly just a quick look. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that Silco, it, he has his own connection to the enforcers and he's wheeling and dealing with them too. Uh, this is where we also get a name of the young hothead that was with Grayson, which was Marcus. So Marcus talking to Silco to, and Silco's like, Hey, I got a lead on these uh, four sump rats you're looking for. Um, as far as the wheeling and dealing, my book, not that important. What's important is we're getting to see a little bit more of the effects of whatever research he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, it looks familiar. It looks familiar. I, and I have written down here, Cthulhu Fathagan. <laughs> and whenever I'm going Lovecraft on a League of Legends comment. It's about to get racist. Oh, we're not a, going that way? No, we're not going that way. <laughs> No, we're not talking about cats. Uh, oh, no. I'm going to hell. I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> um, but no, no, no. Like, it, it, you know, when I'm talking Lovecraft, it's the void, baby. Like, yeah. Th this, I think, I don't think this is a natural study that Silco's doing here anymore. Uh, what was the giveaway? The color purple? <laughs> See, see, the color purple is one thing, all right. <laughs> and thanks to Mundo, I usually I, like I'm not going straight to the void every time. Yeah. Uh, but when it goes into tentacle-like shapes yep. and it starts throbbing and then it starts making high pitch frequency noises, mm -hmm. you know, if it looks like a zerg and it smells like a zerg and it talks like a zerg, it's probably a zerg, and. You know, Protoss assemble. <laughs> so, it's, so, yeah. Silco's in some, is in the deep voodoo now. Oh, yeah. And this, you know, this actually leads to another one of my points kind of subtracting is that this episode does bounce a lot, right? We are dealing with a lot of characters, but there were certain periods where um, the flow of the episode kind of was uh, jarring for me bouncing to from like a scene 
with the um, the court case into Silco and then bouncing into what we go into next, um, which is uh, back into council stuff, like essentially pressure or not council stuff, but like Caitlin's parents and Caitlin kind of talking to Jace. Like there's a lot of bouncing happening here. Yeah. Um, and there's only a few places where it syncs up. Right. Yeah. Um, and. It really doesn't. But this sync is me up. grasping at straws here. Listen, we love this damn thing. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it it doesn't like they this bit that we're talking about that doesn't even sync up well. It really only lasts about like a minute. Yeah. As well, because then we it it we end up going back into the lanes, and of course we're going to be focused a lot more on Vi and Powder. But uh, the last thing that I'll mention here, um, so quick hack, life hack, if you will, um. I was watching with subtitles on. So before we bounce back into the lanes and we see Jace. Smart man. As, and we see Jace you know, talking with Caitlin as far as like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do now. Uh, probably, probably just end it. I don't know. And it's just like, well, this is depressing. Uh, we get right back to, uh, to Silco real quick. Mm-hmm. And Silco is trying to give Deckard whatever this purple stuff that they were feeding that mouse. And it's just like, Mountain yeah. Do Baja Blast too. And it's like, yo, you ready for, uh, you, you, you ready to release the beast? <laughs> um, and that is a very important thing because now we're mm-hmm. getting to see them transition to human subjects and seeing if they survive and whatnot. But the reason I bring up subtitles and life hack is his assistant, it's like, yeah, here you go, Silco. And if you watch it with subtitles on, they name the assistant. And the assistant is named Singed. Those amateurs. <laughs> Did we just get somebody fired? <laughs> wow! Did we just get somebody fired? Got him! <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, the, I mean, yeah. There, there's no way you're going to name some random guy Singed. And have him in Zon dealing with some kind of alchemical process. Yeah. And tell me that he's not going to end up being singed. Um, which th- there's going to be a joke there, but that's for another episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my nice little reveal as yeah. far as watching that scene. That was but huge. The most important part of that scene is that Silco finds his willing subject for the testing of this chemical mm-hmm. and Deckard goes beast mode but before he goes fully beast mode we cut and we're back to the lanes always with the cuts and yeah so when we're in in the lanes i think wait no no no. we there's a quick cut to um uh jace and caitlin talking as jace has jace is kind of having this mental not mental break i guess a mental breakdown where he's like everything is falling apart um Caitlin tries to talk to him. Her mom shows up and says, like, he's excommunicated. Stop talking to him, right? Immediately kind of cuts him off. And then he tries to do a bad thing. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we've gotten to that yet. Oh, really? Okay. No, My stuff we, is out of order then. Yeah, your, your stuff's out of order. Okay. Cause, cause, uh, I, but I, I, again, with all the quick cuts. Yeah, this like, is what I'm talking about. It's hard, <laughs> it's it's hard to kind of keep example. up with. Uh, but as you were, as you were. Yeah. What I've got here is that, uh, is like we get the uh, transformation into Deckard, mm-hmm. and before the transformation into Deckard is the talk with, uh, uh, with Caitlin, 
and then we go to back to the lanes. Ah, yes. We finally get a name for we finally get a name for the bar. Uh, so the bar is named the Last Drop. Yeah, which I mean that that's kind of which that, is a bar kind of a cool name Ireland, I believe. Uh, uh, really? Th- yeah, uh, it's a historic bar. Uh, I won't go into that. We're not going to go into that. Never mind. Let's continue. <laughs> All right. We're starting another podcast about historic bars, right? <laughs> All right. You know what? You t- tell a friend, like, comment, subscribe, get them to do it too, so that we can blow up enough so that we can have a podcast where we travel to historic bars. All right. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the last drop. And as far as at the last drop, we get Marcus following his tip from Silco to find the sump rats. And. He's just like, okay, yeah, no, no, we're looking for the kids. I'm sure you're going to let us look, right? And they start looking, and um, while while they're looking, it's like, okay, um, uh, yeah, let me get you a drink. Vander, it's like, yeah, I'll get you the strong stuff. Hits a nice little panic button. We get an automatic monkey, and that's clearly the alarm. Yep. And hood rat's gonna hide. Yep. So we get this nice tense scene as far as the the enforcers looking for the kids. The kids constantly trying to hide from them. Um, it's filmed exactly like how like every search scene and horror films are done. Yeah. So it helps as far as the tense vibes, but it's really accented by Marcus and Vander's conversation. Because, like, Marcus is clearly just trying to get Vander to lash out at him. And it's just like... Yeah, and, it's it's like an instigation type uh, tactic. Um, yeah. And Marcus also makes a comment, uh, which for me, I was like, this is, this is important. Remember fascism, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, he talks about them as you people. This bar is filled with people. And he talks about how they're not, their lives aren't the same value as theirs. They're a nuisance to the people on the surface, and he's just going. Like, Marcus is a shit heel. That's obvious. Um, but this is the first time we're getting this display. Because when the aristocrats and the council make these kind of comments, they're more elevated and eloquent with how they present options, right, for dealing with Zahn. Um, But Marcus doesn't have that brain capacity, so he's just straight-up classist, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's also a thing of just like the age because you know he's he, mm-hmm. he's clearly portrayed as being young and hot headed. Yes, and we don't get it yet. We're about to get it as far as from the Zahn side uh, as well. Uh, but like uh, with that age, he doesn't know. He doesn't know as far as yeah. Like he did not experience what has happened before. As far as with these um, lower tiered people yep. trying to fight for their rights. So he doesn't know better or well, he should know better. But since well, no, because listen, Piltover, I guarantee Piltover is not teaching the correct history. What? Remember, what? fascism, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Are you saying there's critical Zon theory? Is that going to get us hits or is that going to get us banned? We're going to find <laughs> out. Where does, it, um, I, where does it take us in the story, though? <laughs> yeah. So 
And so it's after this scene that, you know, Vander goes, checks on the kids, make sure they're fine. And now we're going to get to see the Marcus on the other side, which is Vi being like, hey, yo, w- they almost caught us. Like, yeah. we, there's a very tense scene as far as Powder almost getting caught. And Vi just straight up says, hey, they almost saw Powder. And if they saw Powder, we were, we were all screwed. Yeah. But why are we hiding? Why aren't we just taking the fight to them? And we've seen, as far as, like, people in the bar... With even in this scene, the people in the bar, like Vander's just trying to keep them from fighting. Yeah. And the we've seen the other people get together and be like, what happened to the old Vander? We want to fight. And Vi's like, yeah, I want to fight too. And instead of reprimanding her right there, Vander's just like, Vi, let's talk somewhere else. And he Dude, takes he's her dad. And he takes her, <laughs> he takes her back to the bridge. So he takes her back to the bridge between Piltover and Zaun that we saw in the very opening of the first scene. And the, before they show us that they're on the bridge, they show us a fucking memorial wall of just like, yeah, all the people lost in the fighting. And that's where we get to see that this contrast as far as with the Zaunites is like, no, we're tired of being tread upon. We want to fight and just for equal rights. Yeah. And, and it's Vander going, you weren't there. It was awful. Like, yeah. And he was now trying to tell Vi of like, well, technically you were there. And if I hadn't led all of those Zonites to try to fight for their rights, yeah. your parents would be alive. Yep. And that's that, a huge moment. Yeah. It's like, it, I mean, and he's, I mean, he's right. Like that's the, it's like the difference between talking to like a war veteran and someone straight out of boot camp. Yeah. Like, you know, some, like guys come out of boot camp, they're ready, straight up looking for a fight. Whereas a war veteran is, especially when that's seen in a faction, they know like, yeah, you, you don't want it. Yeah. Historically resistance movements and revolutions are bloody, unfortunately. And that's something he's trying to convey to her. But you, you also can see that this is also a cathartic moment for him, right, to finally be able to tell her what they saw that he couldn't tell them then, right? Um, and that's huge because it puts all that pers- into perspective, which – because if you listen to episode one, which we just put out, I, you know, started off the episode with genocide, right? Like I, I immediately jumped for the most extreme um, because of the spectacle of everything, right? The excitement for what they were going to do with the story. But this makes it more real and this obviously fits the story better, right? Yeah. And um, so I think it's awesome that they did this scene so well. Yeah. I, I think it was also cathartic for him because it's um, – it's also the first time that he's getting to say, like, what is the cost of us fighting for our freedom? Yeah. And someone actually listen. Yes. Because it, every time it's been brought up to this point, he's just been called weak. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it was for both sides. So after this very tender moment, uh, then we cut back to Jace yes. in the ruins of his lab. And Jace is like, well, that was my life's work. And now that it's gone, it means my life is gone. So we might as well. Go ahead, put the final nail in the coffin, and he's standing on the ledge. He is ready to go. Celine Dion's playing in the background. Oh, no. Uh, and before he takes that final step, he gets interrupted by the guy that's constantly being pushed to the back, the guy that you weren't supposed to worry about. 
and Victor shows up and goes, Hey, sorry. Am I, I didn't mean to interrupt anything. I was just, uh, <laughs> I was just reading through your notes and it's like, no, they took all my notes. Yeah. Yeah. They took all your notes, but I, I have this one and I know it's yours. <laughs> You've signed every page. Um, and, and Victor, and this is where Victor one reveals that he is very interested in what Jace was working on. Yeah. Two, he reveals, uh, to Jace his name, uh, cause Jace was not paying attention, uh, because we weren't supposed to, he's fly on the wall. Yeah. And three, he also reveals that he, he is a Zonite. He came from the sump. He busted his butt to get to where he is right now. Uh, but he busted his butt to get there because he wants to go further. And he thinks that Jace's study can take him further. And the only other note I have here is Victor and Jace Yowie incoming. <laughs> the internet has backed you up on that one. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. immediately. Uh, my sister did not even watch this show. And she's already like, hey, what's this? What's the hashtag? Yeah, she, what, what, she already wants to know the hashtag. <laughs> She's doing her research for the Rule Thirty Four crap, and and <laughs> one important point, and this is reaching towards the content, you know, the the Victor episode, is that um, notice here during this conversation, Victor does bring up he's from the Undercity, but he's also crippled, and this has set him back as far as not only being not of the you know top side or the north side, um, but he also has a disability. And Jace is kind of his meal ticket to his goal. We know what his goal is. If you don't know what his goal is, go check out the episode. But that plays important. That's your little reveal into, hey, we get the very nice Victor who's playing his cards right. But keep an eye on him. He's been yeah. kept in the background for, for a moment for a reason. And, and this is the beginning of a very core part of both Victor and Jace's storylines, mm -hmm. which is that it started off as a very friendly rivalry. Yes. Like it's the rivalry from anime, you know, like we are, we are best friends, but I will surpass frenemies and I will be better than you. And, and luckily for the Runeterra world, um, there is no one true protagonist. So they actually have a back and forth. So it's none yep. of the shonen bull crap of I will get better than you and Vegeta never wins. Oh no, he's going down the rabbit hole. Okay. Let's, let's. <laughs> uh, and so then we leave. We leave as far as this scene of yep. Victor and Jace finally saying, yep, okay, no, let's let's do it, all right? Like, let's take this book. That's all we got left, but we can figure out what these crystals are. Yeah. And then we take a quick cut to uh, – we take a quick cut into the sump rats down in the, at the last drop. Dad, Daddy Vander trying to, you know, cheer the spirits up of Powder. Uh, Vi looking very depressed. A quick cut to the Enforcers. Um, now, the quick cut that they have there is Marcus and Grayson arguing because Grayson's like, mm -hmm. you went, you did what in the last drop? You have no idea what you've done. You've screwed us all. Yep. We're, we are doomed. Uh, you have no idea how bad it was. You weren't there. And while she's reprimanding him, in comes some commands. In, in comes the commands, specifically 
the little word bank, of the day. The word bank of the day. shoot. Word of the yeah. day. <laughs> What's the word of the day, folks? Say it with me. Fascism. Fascism. Well, it, she didn't get commands. It was the it was the message tube that she left with Vander. Yeah. And so it Vander's message comes in, and she goes, "Oh, well, maybe we're not screwed yet." And then it goes back to Vander trying to cheer up Powder, Vi being depressed, a bunch of enforcers walking to a door, knock on the door, end of episode. So then it just kind of leaves us with this, uh, what, top 10 anime betrayal? That, that, was Vander, <laughs> that was Vander's ticket. That was Vander's ticket to lead to an arrest. Did Vander give them up? The kids? Yeah. Oh, come on. I, th- I think, listen, I think that is a reach for them to be like, oh, he's the best dad in the world. There's no way. There's no way he's giving up the kids on at least on purpose. Right. You're going to print out like a nice photo of Vander and you're going to frame it and you're just going to like hug it when you go to sleep. Oh, it's going to be like the Wolverine meme. Yeah. yeah that, you're, you're right. So now we're at the point. Listen, we've been rambling for a bit a bit now. And it's one of those things are okay. So we got to give it the rating. Um, I'm going with a four out of five here. I mentioned flashback kind of didn't do it for me at the beginning with the J stuff, but the jumping around really did get me lost as you found this episode. <laughs> I was there are points in my notes where I'm like, wait a minute, where are we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can I can agree with a four out of five. Um, uh, it was still very entertaining, but this one was definitely much more dialogue heavy because i think like the only bit of action that we really got was the kids running from the enforcers so it's it's a lot more of just like paying attention to what the characters are going through yeah um so hey unless you're like super into the story which cough cough we are uh it, it it's a little boring but it's a lot to also break down which is part of the reason why we're we're continuing to talk about it um exactly but with that, once again, as always, thanks for hanging out with us for this. Um, you know, this is something we've been looking forward to doing forever. I mean, this has been in development for six years, right? So to finally have the opportunity to sit down and, you know, dig into this stuff, take all the things we've talked about, all the things we've learned about the lore over the years and apply it to this really well done story, regardless of the, the ratings or whatever, that's just us having fun. This is great so far, and it's only been two episodes. If they can keep this up, then they're golden for something historic. Yeah. It is already so much fun, and you, it's, it dates itself for how long it's been in development when the yeah. music is clearly inspired by Imagine Dragons and Lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still love it, and I can't wait for us to talk about episode three. So Keep stay tuned for, for that. It. It's definitely coming. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next Arcane episode. Take care, everybody.